0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. That was good, wasn't it? Blessing. Most of those guys were out on a soccer field yesterday winning a tournament. It's good to know they're multifaceted and have more than one thing they can do. We're glad to see them serving the Lord and using their voices to praise God. I love the phrase that God sees us through mercy-filled eyes. Isn't that a great phrase? It's probably a good phrase to remember as we continue or finish at least our our topic on especially corporal punishment. Discipline. Is it for our good? The question's asked, is it? For our good and our text this morning, we'll answer that as we conclude this particular session on discipline. Woodshed 202 is what we're going to look at today. I know that many of you do not have children or past that stage, and so if this can be a help to you or in your life in the future, perhaps that'll be a blessing. I just thought it'd be wonderful as a practical side of teaching to just help our young families, especially as they're going through it in terms of raising Children, for the glory of God, to bring this message and fully develop it today, I trust it will be a blessing to all of us. Father, thank you that you are our Father and that you do see us through the patient eyes of a loving Father, and I pray that we would remember that as we raise our children for your good and for your glory. I do thank you for the families that we have in our church. What a joy to see them as they go through the struggles of life raising children, trying to be the right example. Lord, I pray you'll bless them in this journey. So so wonderful that you will give to these young parents in the right time, the children which are treasures from your hand, and, and I pray that we would nurture them in the really the nurture and admonition of the Lord as you call us to do in Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you for every child as a part of our church body. We're thankful for them. Truly, they are the future ministry here and abroad, and so we're thankful for them. And Lord, we just want to please you with how we raise them for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. We alluded to this last uh, week a little bit. We want to settle down in this text this morning as we develop some principles in terms of how to discipline our children. Last week, we asked the question, what does God say about uh, discipline. We already noted that God has given us families, really, in our series in Family Matters, to reflect His love for the church. Our families are a portrait of God's grace, and that's really why God gives us families. And uh, We mentioned last week that God is not silent concerning the issue of corporal punishment. Now, again, no great theologian But a quote that Andy Taylor from uh, Mayberry would say, listen, I think a lot of things would just straighten up if we took our youngins to the woodshed, a good old trip to the woodshed. You don't have to quote me on that. If you want to quote Andy, that would be fine. Uh, Woodshed 101, last week we decided something. We decided that God is not silent. He is not silent about the subject of spanking or corporal punishment exacting pain appropriately to help our children remember um, that behavior that is, that is not pleasing to the Lord has consequences. And while we uh, understood last week that good examples are nice, and good friends are nice, and good schools are nice, and good rules are nice, God has called us who are parents to be the ones that are first in line, most responsible for the stewardship of raising our children for the glory of God. John Nieder will be, uh, be relieved to know that it's not his job as a Christian school administrator, first and foremost, to raise your children. It is your job, parents, to do that. Now, discipline does involve, at times, spanking. We noted verses in the Bible that address this specifically. I want to just remind you, though, by way of establishing where we were that there are certain types of parenting we are to avoid. We mentioned this last week. If you were here, you'll remember the the lollipop parents, always about affirmation. The passive parent, maybe they'll just grow out of this. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, It takes a village parent. I'm just one voice. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I need need a village to help me raise my child. God has placed the stewardship of raising children directly upon the shoulders of parents. And then the island parent parent, I'm just going to shelter the helicopter parent sometimes. This is called shelter, my kids, from all associations or infiltrations of evil in the culture around me, and we're going to not let anybody into the harbor around our island. Hopefully, they'll do okay. And then we talked about the Medicaid educate parent, but my therapist says, my doctor says, my pediatrician says that spanking is old-fashioned, out of vogue now. There are other ways to handle the discipline of our children. In fact, we mentioned last week that two-thirds of American families with young children no longer resort to corporal punishment. Now, last week we also mentioned some things, some uh, verses here that were so important. What does God say? It's not about Pastor Regeer's opinion, a preacher's opinion, or somebody that you've heard or read a book about. What does the Bible say? We mentioned these uh, five things from Proverbs. And here we, we see spanking is a tool of deliverance, aid to wisdom. It should start early in life. Uh, while there's hope, the Bible says spanking display, displays true love, and then correction can bring happiness. We see that from Job chapter 5. And then uh, if you don't uh, remember, I'm going to bring a slide up to recall. Uh, I got one that's blanked out there. Sorry about that. but. Uh, the idea that there's a little boy there with a cookie crumb, a cookie in his mouth, and he is saying, I'm not eating a cookie. Deceit, okay? Some of your children, maybe some of your children have done that in the past. Disobedience, the, the four D's. Now, this isn't exclusively the list of uh, actions or attitudes that ought to be disciplined by corporal punishment, but certainly they would be at the top of this. Defiance. You ever had a defiant child? Look you in the eye and just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or disrespectful child. And then one who is chronically disobedient. So intentional lying, deceit, or disrespect, mainly of parental authority, but it could include other authorities as the child grows, goes to school. Uh, defiance, a belligerent resistance. Disobedience. This would be a child who knowingly and repeatedly ignores clear instructions that are within her capacity or his to obey, so that was last week. We called that Woodshed One Hundred and One. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. There's the kid that's got the cookie. Ever happened in your kid, your family? Kids that's got a cookie in his mouth said, "I'm not eating a cookie." <laughs> right. Well, these four areas are certainly some of the areas in which you may consider using the rod of correction, uh, applied uh, of course appropriately. Now today we're going to ask the question: Why? Would God ask us to discipline, or why does God discipline us? And then how, practically, are we to apply corporal punishment in the lives of our families? You may be thinking, Pastor, you know what? Last week, you referred to some verses that were typically Old Testament. In fact, from one author, the book of Proverbs. Who wrote that book? Solomon, considered the wisest um, man who ever lived, of course, inspired by the Lord, and he wrote a book with lots of practical wisdom. You might think, well, we have kind of grown past that. We're in an age of grace. That was maybe just, I could hear some parents saying, I, could, I think that's maybe just a King Solomon thing. <laughs> maybe he just believed in the woodshed. That, uh, that was the best. We are more enlightened today. That was Old Testament. Today we are... We're more educated, we're more cultured, we count to five, we do timeouts, we send them to their rooms, we ground them for a week or a month, if necessary. I've often wondered how that works. Do you feed them through the window? Uh, what do they do? Uh, or, or we send them to their grandparents, right? Uh, it's a different dynamic, right? When you send them, uh, grandparents have the feather duster approach to discipline. Two-thirds I mentioned and parents do not use corporal punishment at all. <laughs> An old preacher by the name of Sam Harvey of Washington, this is years ago, used to pass out spanking paddles to every family <laughs> in the congregation. I will not do that today, promise you that, but I do hope to be a help to you. Uh, Hebrews 12, please. We alluded to this. Let's settle in the text and find out some principles, of course, God has to apply to our lives in terms of discipline. Hebrews is a book really written to exalt the preeminence of Christ over the law, over angels, over the patriarchs, over the Levitical system because God completed, brought to full the complete fruition of all the types of the Old Testament. Christ then is the focus of the New Testament. His death on the cross, His life evidence that the resurrection should really validate the truth that this indeed is Christ of very God, God of God, very gods and so he's helping those who are thinking about drifting back into Judaism. It's written mainly to of course the Jewish people who are kind of waffling, is it, is it really Christ? Is he really better or do I return to the old system of Mosaic laws and of course this book really solidifies the fact that you're saved by grace Indeed, Christ is God. He saved you. Live by grace. Don't filter back into the legalistic system. And then there were some that were struggling with the persecution that came for loving God and being a gospel-centered Christian in the first century. And they were getting persecuted and prosecuted and uh, falling back into temptations to sin and to give up on their faith, newfound faith in Christ. And so he addresses the topic of waffling or drifting back into sin and why God disciplines when that happens. In chapter 12, let's begin reading in verse 4. Probably a good place to start. You have not resisted unto blood. You're getting lazy about it, striving against sin. You're getting comfortable with it, Hebrews. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh to you as children, my son... There is that wonderful relationship, despise thou not the chastening, this is a word used nine times in our text, discipline of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord, can you say that word with me, a little louder, for whom the Lord, let's settle that, shall we? He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, there is a progress in God's Wonderful discipline. It's not all about, about spanking. It's not all about corporal punishment. God starts by schooling us and then gently scolding us. And then, if need be, he scourges us. It's not all about the painful whip that comes at the end of the leash from someone who's trying to escape or live in hardened sin. But have you forgotten? Yet God cares enough about you, which speaketh unto you as children, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens, scourges every, not just some, every son whom he receives. If you endure discipline, chastening, God dealeth with you as sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, it's a greater condemnation, whereof, All are partakers, then ye are, the Bible uses the word bastard, strong word, illegitimate and not sons. You're not related to Christ if you do not feel the sting of his chastening. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them respect or reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastised us after their own pleasure But he for our profit, that we might be partakers. Love this phrase. Never forget this, young parents, especially, that we might be partakers. This is the long goal that we have in chastening, that your children might reflect the very character and nature of God. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, great phrase, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Some were getting tired of God's heavy hand. And so verse 12 comes to encourage them. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Don't become bitter, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Rather, let it be healed. We'll stop our reading. The first three verses, of course, remind us that we've read that sin is encroaching because of the persecution. Sin is encroaching and hearts are becoming hard and calloused and sinful. And so the Lord is saying, be careful that you don't faint. And here's the question. Why does God discipline us before we apply these principles to our children? Why does God discipline us? Here's some answers. Because we get careless about our sin. Verse 4 you have not resisted sin unto blood, striving against it. In terms of regarding sin, first of all, we're becoming lazy about it. The Lord knew that this congregation, this audience, was becoming not only resistant, but lazy about careless about settled for, about sin in their lives. And so the Lord would remind us often with painful terms that you can't do that. You can't get comfortable with sin in your life. You can't do that. I love you too much to allow that to happen. You've not resisted unto bloodshed. You don't have a militant spirit about the sin that's creeping into your life. You're not striving against it. Have you noticed that in your life In In mine, a tolerance for sinful thoughts leads to sinful acts, which lead to sinful habits that are life-dominating. Then he says this, "'You've also become resistant to me.'" Hebrews 12 and verse 5, "'You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh to you as children. My son, despise, resist not. Don't rebel at the chastening of the Lord.'" thinking about why should I discipline my children? Is God harsh with us? He's wanting us not to become resistant to Him. Hard-hearted, stiff-necked. And so that's why He has to, at times, apply the rod of correction to correct a spirit of resistance. Have you forgotten that exhortation which speaks to you as children of God, my son, my son, verse 5, don't, don't resist, don't despise, don't get hard-hearted when God comes to you bearing the sword or bearing a, a tool of discipline. Don't wither in discouragement or resist it when you're rebuked of the Lord. As if, folks, as if you're a target of God. You're not. (laughs) Have you ever thought that those who discipline you in love appropriately, correctly, are really God's tool of love to you? They are. God does not intend to leave you alone. When God chastises you, He is not rejecting you but correcting you. He is hurting you, but not harming you. Let me say that again. When God chastises you, He's hurting you, causing you pain, but He is not harming you. To hurt someone without a cause or to inflict pain for the sake of vengeance or malice is hateful. But God is a father to us, so we can be sure that His chastening comes for our good. That's the, really the title of today's message. It's for our good God, for a prophet, God says, to correct, instruct, and protect us. That's why we do this in regards to our children, because we're related to them. I like, we've read the verses already, for whom the Lord loveth his children, he chastens them. What son, verse 7, is he whom the father chasteneth not? Not. God will not leave you. Remember what a mess you were were in when you came to him? We come to the Lord as the song, Just as I am, I come, I come, but God in his grace and mercy as a father cannot leave us just the way we are. Thankful that God is in the process of prodding us and moving us and poking us and at times hurting without harming us in order that we might be more like him. So it is because we are his children. He scourgeth every son, verse 6. What son? None, verse 7, that he chast- chasteneth not. And if you are not chastened, verse 8, by God, you are not his. You are illegitimate. You are not part of God's family. If in your life you could say, God has never got on me for anything. You're here today. You're living in sin. And you've never felt God's corrective hand for you for anything. Brother or sister, <laughs> friend, it may well be that you're not part of the family of God for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. The saddest thing is not to experience the anger of God, it is to never experience it. The saddest thing is not to experience the anger of God, the punishment of God, it's to never experience experience it. No chastening means no relationship with Him. So why chastening? Because we're careless about sin. Because we become resistant, rebellious. Because we are His children. Obviously what follows is because He loves us. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth. Some people cannot wrap their hands around chastening means love. Because perhaps in their life, early on in their life, they have been chastened in anger or chastened wrongfully. And the best we can do as parents, I want to go on record for saying this, because we're human parents, we don't always get it right, do we? Dad or mom, have you ever spanked the wrong kid? I have. The wrong time for the wrong thing? Sure, but we've done the best we could. God never fails in His chastening of us. We are adopted to His family by salvation. Immediately, He begins His refining work in us. We know we are His by His Spirit living in us, leading us, instructing us, but also by His conviction of sin, and yes, by times in His discipline chamber, His chastening work. A word, as I mentioned, repeated nine times in our text. God is making it very clear that I love you too much to leave you alone because you're my son. I love you. Do you know that your last trip to the grocery store, maybe not your last trip, but maybe you saw that incorrigible child, don't raise your hand, uh, hopefully it wasn't yours, but walking, and that child was just going ballistic, right? Mama was frustrated, and that child was pulling stuff off the shelves and screaming, I want more candy, or I want that cereal, uh, and and just pitching a fit, Right? And you had a thought. What was your thought? Uh, lady, give me that kid for just one week. I'll straighten him out in terms of the woodshed. Sometimes we'll ask our kids after passing a scene like that. When our kids were small, we would turn to them and I, I would ask the question. Mom would too. What does that kid need? More cereal? More cereal? And our little kids would get eyes like this. No, daddy, that kid needs a spanking. (laughs) It's true. And that lady's probably thinking, if you were to vocalize, I'd like to have your son for a week, she'd probably say, you can have him for a year, sir, if you'd like to. I'm through with it. But the Lord is saying, we don't have the right to raise someone else's kids, but we do have the responsibility to raise our own for the glory of God. Think of the mess again you were in when God brought you home, spiritually adopted you. He's not going to leave you in that mess. It's unnatural, unthinkable to see an undisciplined child because we immediately believe, obviously believe that that child has been neglected in some way in order to act the way he does. What son is he whom the father chastens? Not because I love you, whom the father of the Lord loveth, verse 6, the opposite of of course uh, love is hate. To hate a child is to leave him alone in his misbehavior and his sin. To correct and instruct and punish when necessary is the height of parental love. I remember a story, reading a story about a mom who had a teenage girl who came down the steps, dressed for school in something that was very immodest, and the mother met her at the bottom of the steps and looked at her and said, young lady, I want you to march right back up to your room Change that outfit. You are not going to school dressed like that. And of course, the girl said, "Now, Mom, everybody is wearing this. Everybody is wearing outfits like this. I'll be like weird and kind of out of st- out of fashion." Mom, you gotta let me. And she looked at that little girl and said, "You're not everybody. You're my daughter, and you're God's daughter, and we both agree that that's out of line. Go change." So the girl stomps upstairs, slams the door, and you hear the squawking and the squealing. And then a few minutes later, this is a story I read by a mom who had this struggle with her daughter. And she comes down, this time in tears, and she hugs her mom and said, Mom, thank you for loving me enough to say no to what I want. Kids can do a turnaround, can't they? Now, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's prolonged periods of rebellion. But here's a mom who understood the principle. We just can't let our children do whatever they want, whenever they want, because we're responsible to raise them. So why discipline? Here are six answers. Because we're careless, resistant. We're children. It proves His love. and It causes us to reflect His character. We become more like Him. That's the benefit of discipline. Verse 10 for our parents, human parents, barely for a few days chastised us by their own pleasure to the best they knew how. But God, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness, his character. Glory. And then it makes us more productive. Verse 11, no chastening for the present seems to be Joyous but grievous, nevertheless, afterward. You parents need to write, underline those two words, nevertheless, afterward. Some of you are in the throes of wondering, how long will I have to do this? How long do I have to? Whitney still talks, so me and Robin talk about, my wife talk about the seven spanking days. <laughs> How long do I have to, how quickly will they forget, will, will they always, will it always be like this? Afterward, after a while, the promise of Scripture is it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are that practice, or at least are a party to it. There is a goal. It makes us more productive. The word is profitable, or profitable means for our good. It's for our good. But the Lord, verse 10, disciplines us for our good, our profit. Spanking a child when appropriate is good for them, when done appropriately at the right time. The Lord knows that. So that's why God disciplines us. He loves us too much to leave us alone in our sin. And there are some wonderful reminders right there. Because we uh, get careless, because we're resistant, because we're children and there's a relationship there. Because he loves us, because we become more like him, and we become more productive. These are wonderful benefits of corporal, or at least discipline from the Lord. Number two, so how, how does this work? Again, I'm going to pull some principles out, but much of what I say in the next is just practical stuff from a guy that's a little older, okay? I grew up in a home. Where not, not all of you did, but I grew up in a home, I know, that was very privileged in that my folks were believers and they practiced corporal punishment, applying appropriate pain to the soft backside where God intended, not to cause welts or pain, excuse me, welts or uh, cuts or bruises, but they applied it appropriately at the right time in the right spirit to help me go on for the Lord. And that was my upbringing. I I never, never once, never once did I leave uh, dad spanked us in his bedroom, his mom mom and dad's. I never left that bedroom after um, I got worn out, so to speak. The rod of correction applied to the, the Board of Education, the seat of knowledge. After that session, I never, never, never left that room thinking, my dad hates me. My dad wants to hurt me. I always left knowing my dad loves me too much to leave me alone in my sin. And there was a growing love for him after those sessions. We're going to talk about some practical things, very, very practical for a Sunday morning. I realize that. But I hope this is a blessing to you. Maybe there are other ways, other twists on this that could work for you. But this is what we found to be so effective. We continued... That same pattern in our house. Number one, I want discipline. Or excuse me. I believe discipline done right produces a reverential fear and respect for parents, and we see that in verse ten. Um, we are we are chastised for our profit, and uh, and then verse nine, backing up to verse nine. Furthermore, we had fathers who corrected us, and we gave them respect, proper correction rightly done, with the right attitude, produces a respect in the heart of the child. And I think it's important to understand that uh, there is a proper attitude that needs to be displayed when a parent uh, disciplines a child uh, with a paddle or a a small, like a little, well it's a paddle, I guess we could use there's other things. Some parents use this a belt. My dad used a belt. I don't know that um, I necessarily recommend that, but it was always handy for him. (laughs) He never had to reach far for it. But number one, we should have the right attitude. Whom the Lord loveth. If your discipline, if, listen now, if your discipline ever uh, is is practiced on your child with any other spirit than the spirit of love and self-control, then it's out of line, and it will produce a child in time. If you, if you're an angry parent that you spank your child, and you're just angry, you're reacting. That produces a child that resists that and resists you. Robin, would often she reminded me of this, this week. We would often with young children, and Robin and I are geared a little differently. She's a little more feisty. Can I say that uh, fiery? Maybe is a better word, than I am. And and. Uh, and her, her response to the children, especially since she was a mainline when I was gone at work, but um, kids can make you mad. There, we just said it. We've dismissed them, haven't we? We've dismissed them. Children's Church. They can do things that shock you, surprise you, and anger you. And if you decide to discipline immediately with the back of your hand, I've seen people do this, even popping their kids in the back of the head, or you respond in a manner where you're angry or you're trying to shame them or embarrass them or impress the family next door by how firm and how harsh you are in your discipline, those are all wrong attitudes in discipline. You have to be controlled. And Robin reminded me that we would take, she would just simply say, listen, young man or young lady, you're going to go sit on my bed for a few minutes and think about what you've done. What does this do for her? It allows her to calm down herself. And it also allows the child to go into this period of, oh no, what's going to happen to me? (laughs) Introspection. What have I done? And so Robin would take a minute to cool down and also allow the child to spend some time thinking the right attitude. The Bible says we are to be careful about just spanking in the wrong attitude. And we often just spout off or we reel out and, 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 and discipline in anger. We should not do that. So number one, you have to guard your proper attitude when you're disciplining your child. Number two, with the proper force. A chastening, verse 11, the Lord reminds us that it is not a cakewalk. Chastening, no chastening, no discipline for the present seems to be joyous. Uh, now, every child is different in the amount of force that must be rendered to bring that child to what we call a place of cleansing tears where the will is broken. Uh, and, and so it's important to know that the stubborn child, the what we call the you know the type A driven child. The, the, somebody, sometimes the kids have a tough hide, and you'll see that some kids reach that point of brokenness in their will uh, sooner than others. And you you just can't put a chart on the wall. Parents understand this. That says okay, so you 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 took a cookie without permission. That's one swat. You did. Uh, you, you know you lied to your brother. That's two. You. You woke your mother up before 6, that's 14. Um, you took your daddy's, you know, wedge sandwich wedge, and you left it out in the rain. That's 107. No. You can't do that. Because each child responds to discipline differently. And you need great wisdom to apply the right amount of force, but the Bible would remind us that we are not to spare for we talked about this briefly last Sunday. We are not to spare for his crocodile tears, or even for his tears, because there is a cleansing nature to a discipline that brings enough pain to cause that child to say, I was wrong. And and it breaks dad's heart. It breaks mom's heart. It breaks God's heart. My sin matters to God. More than that. And if I'm not respectful and responsive to the consequences of stealing a cookie without permission or you add to the list the four D's, the disrespect, the deceit and all that. If I am not broken over my sin early in life, I will become more and more calloused to it as I grow up without consequences. There needs to be clear expectations. Proper force. Now, (laughs) I want to come back to this just a second. Um, what does proper force mean? Number one, it means there's no abuse that takes place. It, uh, it means that you never spank a child in order to cause welts or cutting or bruises or lasting impact physically to their bodies. That is criminal and that's abusive. It is. It is. But you want to sting them enough so that they don't want to run back to the sin committed. And that's a balance that God has to give you in your home. Uh, So here's the balance. Okay, I brought an object lesson. You don't want mom's the spank with this, all right? Some of you have a feather duster and you think you're really doing damage to your your four-year-old boy with a tough hide. I mentioned the kids with a tough hide and you, you're chasing around the house with, no, no. that He's going to laugh at you at least when he turns 14. When well, You try to do that little trick. That's one extreme, all right? Maybe you're the feather duster parent, grandparent maybe. We're allowed that, I guess, I think. What I recommend is, <clears throat> here's the other extreme, right? I don't know what this is, but it's on our wall. I don't think it's to discipline our kids. I know it isn't. You do not want to cause even temporal or permanent physical damage or bruising to your children. But you want something that does cause them to think, I don't want to do this again. I don't. And the Bible recommends of course that we bring discipline to our children that causes them to know that this was grievous, this is hurtful, this is, and we looked at the translations earlier about what that word means. In the King James of verse 11 it's grievous. In the New American, it is sorrowful. In the NIV, it's painful. You say, well, spanking just isn't effective. <laughs> We've been having some of these discussions with one of our children. Of course, you would know who it is, but has three boys, and they're all geared differently. And it's amazing how one of them is just geared not to respond that well. And we I said, "Well, are you right by dropping the idea of spanking, or is God right by saying you ought to do it? Your your argument isn't, and they're not arguing about it, but they're just wondering why isn't it seem to be working with our second boy? Well, the truth is, if it's done appropriately, if it's done with the amount of force that needs to happen." That little boy, no matter what his age is, right? There comes a point where you got to stop spanking, right? But that, and God takes over. <laughs> but that boy, whatever or girl, whatever age, will leave. If it's done right. Will leave saying, "I really don't want to do that again." At least for the next hour. They do forget. And it's an ongoing process. But spanking done right, parents, listen, I know it's Sunday morning. And but spanking done right has a powerful, and the Lord knows this, a powerful effect. It works better than the lollipops and the timeouts and the taking their Nintendo, whatever it is, the video game. It, it, it works because God knows better than you do or I do. But be careful that you do it right. And if, if it's not working, he's not getting it, then apply a little more force without hurting, excuse me, without harming the child. Use enough force until it hurts. Put away the feather duster. Second Corinthians 10, verse, excuse me, 7, verse 10 tells us godly sorrow worketh repentance. It's the mindset that says, I don't want to do that again, Lord or Dad. The enemy in the paddling room isn't your child. It's sin, and any parent who disciplines firmly and with a tear in his eye instead of anger will find over time the child producing the fruit of righteousness spoken of in verse 11. Proper attitude, proper force, proper explanation, proper explanation. Now here's, I I started the process a little earlier when I said Robin would send our our kids to the room just so she could cool down and so that the kids could think about things for a minute but then and when I'm home dad when you're home you should be the one doing this as far as this process and we would simply sit our children down and and we under when, when we're under control we would come into the room and we would sit beside them on the bed and I just simply asked so what what happened what did you do and those are fun things those are the confessionals what happened well I lied to your wife, my mother. I, I, I lied to her. What did you say? We kind of get the scenario. We get the confession. What did you do? What did you say? And what does the Bible call that? Well, the Bible calls it lying, dishonest right. The Bible, and is that something you should do? The Bible calls lying a deceit what? Sinful. That's sinful. What do you think daddy should do about that? and I've had this, and you probably as parents have had it too. Well, I think you should forgive me and forget about it. (laughs) Uh, And I said, no, the, the Bible wants me to discipline you so that you will not run back to sins like this again. And so I'll ask him to bend over. And so his hands aren't flying around. I'll just ask him to fold his hands and administer spanking till cleansing tears come. And then I I leave the room for a minute, let him cry about it for a while. You do not want your child to put on a performance then. Sometimes children, after you spank them, will start wailing louder and louder. I think they want the neighbors to hear. But you come and say, no, no. Um, Now that happens occasionally. But usually if spanking is the proper force, proper attitude, There'll be a crying time, a sniffling time, and then they'll kind of dry up. And you come sit beside them, and you'll say this. What do you think God would want you to do next time you're in this situation that you want to lie about something? Hide the truth. And hopefully the child will say, well, God would want me to say the truth. That's right. You want to kind of help them think ahead about doing the right thing next time. Well, they do it all to no, know, but you want to help them think ahead about how to change, put off and put on. And then you're not done yet. You think, "Well, that's it, isn't it no?" You're not done yet. What do we need to do to, what do we need what do we need to say to Mommy? She's in the house right now. So let's let's call her in here. And you want that child to confess his sin, ask for forgiveness, and then the last thing we did with our children is we always just hugged on them. We just hugged on them. We want you to know that God still loves you, always did love you. He's not through with you. He's not rejecting you. We're not rejecting you. We just want you to know how serious God takes sin. We love you. We've forgiven you. And now you're free to go out and play. It's amazing what would happen to our kids. Get these bright eyes and they'd leave our our room of, disp- our woodshed, so to speak, and they would have a spring in their step. There's a cleansing in their heart. They're right with God. They're right with the one offended. And sometimes that meant my dad took me by the hand over to the neighbor's house and said, My son has something to say to you, (laughs) and I'd have to relive it with him and confess it to him. But you see, I've got to be right with others before I can be right with God too. And so God wants that horizontal and that... And so after that takes place, after the proper explanation and the interpretation of discipline, it's God's idea, it's for your profit and for your good, and that's why we do it. We don't do this because we hate you. We do this because we love you too much to leave you alone in your sin. And after that process, we uh, uh, then pray for the child that God would help them to hate sin, love what's right. And with that reinforcement, there is a wonderful peace that comes to the house. The kids know, and there should be a proper explanation and then expectation of what you want them to do in the next time. So, That's quickly uh, the idea. The proper goal is right there. I've mentioned that already, not to belabor that point. We want them to, in time, enjoy the peaceable fruit of righteousness afterward, after that long process of uh, bringing them to the principles that will help them. And then as we wrap up today, let me just, uh, we'll put all this in one slide and, and parents, if this is helpful, that's great. When should we withhold correction with the rod? There's I mentioned this is not the only tool in the corrective toolbox. It is, I think, one of the most effective tools. But um, when do we not spank? And Dr. Dobson got a letter one time and said, My two-year-old is disruptive in church. Should I spank him for not sitting still? Another wrote this, My four-year-old son came running into the kitchen and told me emphatically he saw a lion in the backyard. He was sure of it. There are no lions around us. Should I spank him for lying about the lion? Here's another letter. Dr. Dobson, my 10-year-old's teacher, called me with a concern about his behavior in class. It is disrespectful, disobedient, and he has not brought his homework nor his report card home. He found I found out he's failed to bring his, his report card or homework home. What should I do about that? When to spank and when not to spank? Of course, we mentioned the four D's as a kind of a template, but spanking is not is not for childish irresponsibility. Remember that. It takes a long time for a child to grow, and sometimes are just childish. Uh, and you have to understand the difference between childish irresponsibility and outright sinful attitudes. When the issue is occasional forgetfulness, <laughs> ever have a forgetful child? Now, if it becomes chronic, that's another issue. It may be that they need a little bit spurring on to remember and then, when the behavior stems from a misunderstanding i've had that with my children, and i I've spanked them prematurely, then I found out they didn't even understand what I wanted and Then, when the irritability is clearly an issue of hunger or weariness or other physical discomfort, Whitney is telling us that one of the of course the youngest when that, when that diaper is full, that baby isn't happy. And you can't just uh, translate that as, well, this is a sinful, angry attitude. No, no. There, there may be some physical needs that need to be addressed, but parents do not hide sin under this very easy cloak. Well, he's probably tired. If there is indeed sinful attitudes that need to be addressed, address them. Don't completely tell folks till he's 15 and 16, well, the reason he did that is because he's tired. Um, So be careful about running to that point. And then, uh, lastly, when the order given is simply beyond the capacity of the child to perform. Maybe you've asked the child to do something that he cannot do. Um, I remember one of my first spankings that I gave our little Whitney. Bless her heart, she's not here to hear this. But uh, she had broken all the Ds. You know, the disrespect, the deceit, the disobedience, the defiance. It was all wrapped up. It was a clear case. And I brought her back to the bedroom, went through the explanation things, and there was this little voice. I mean, she's so little. A little voice in my brain that said this. She's so cute. She's so little. She's not that bad. She'll probably never do that again. She didn't mean it. And then the little voice said, don't hurt that poor little creature. And I had to send that little voice out of the room, out of my brain, because there's a voice that tells me if you really love the child, you're going to correct that child while there's hope. And I mentioned this verse last week. We'll close with this. With old not correction from the child, for if this is a course King James' word here, thou beatest him with the rod, if thou discipline him, of course appropriately, he shall not die. But the benefit is that thou shalt deliver his soul from hell or from death, as one translation puts it. You will deliver that little child from so many, not only social ills, but moral ills as well that could lead to death. May God help us to listen to the right voices when it comes to the corporal punishment of our children. May we do it appropriately in love and for the right reason. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.